the amount of businesses out there that don't see that if you just look after your customer and give them a great experience, here's a shocker, they may come back. Like I do a lot of stuff with large organisations, and it just always shocks me the amount of money they spend trying to attract a new customer just to get them in to treat them as bad as their current customers. It makes no <laughs> sense whatsoever. And so for me, I just thought a lot of business owners haven't got the time to create the training for their staff. They don't have the knowledge. So I thought, well, I'll just put all that together. And it just took off. It's the easiest way to grow your business. Welcome to Getting to the Heart of Business, brought to you by The Online Co, where we believe the best way to help small and medium businesses grow is by putting people first. I'm James Parnwell, and in this episode, we'll catch up with entrepreneur and business mentor, Justin Herald. Justin's best known as the guy behind the global t-shirt brand, Attitude, which he started in the mid-90s quite by accident with just $50 and a whole lot of boldness. Several million dollars later, he sold that brand, and these days he's a highly sought-after trainer with his company, Customer Culture, where he teaches businesses how to treat their customers better. With me is my co-host, friend and marketing expert, Jess Caluso. G'day, Jess. Hey, James. Have you got a best or worst customer experience story? Oh, I do. I've, I've got a worst customer experience story that turns into a really good one. So uh, the particular car model that I drive are not renowned for their reliability. Yes. However, they look wonderful and are really fun to drive. Okay. So I take this brand new car for its maybe like 5,000 kilometre service. The dealership's got the car the entire day. Then I go to pick it up and they say to me, oh, by the way, you actually need to get new brakes in about another 500 kilometres. Okay, brand new car. Yeah. I said, well, why don't you just do that today? Oh, we couldn't get the parts. Okay. So at this point in time, I was driving about 700 kilometres a week. So <laughs> You're have to less come back than in ideal. Days, yeah. So I rang my, my previous mechanic who I used to use before I bought this new car and I said to him, got this car, I need new brakes, like in two days, can you do it? Yep, Jess, bring it in, no worries. So take my car there on a Saturday to this small independent little mechanic, he gets it done. First of all, he, the courier brought him the wrong brakes, he had to return okay. them, then got the right brakes and ended up getting it done. So went from run really bad company, yeah, a, big, a, 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 massive, company. a massive company yeah. who have a lot of staff, a lot of employees who you thought would have been able to pick up the phone and tell me this work needed to be done. <laughs> and then I took it to this small independent mechanic who has three staff and he managed to get this job done and turn it around in three hours on a Saturday. So I went from being super frustrated <laughs> to, to uh, having some good service. And no doubt you're not going back to that big company for service. No, I've never longer. been back. No. Uh, I'm sure you've got some best and worst customer experience yeah, stories. Well, last year we went on a holiday and the first night of our holiday we spent in Kiama and went to a pub down there for dinner. So it was April 9, the kids, so there's six of us. And we, we went in and we got a few drinks and then we placed an order for our food. And um, we're sitting there telling stories. This first not a holiday, so we're all on a high. We're excited. We're talking about the old days and telling funny stories. And was yeah, just having a general good time. But about an hour and a half had gone by, and our food hadn't turned oh, up. Oh dear! So, uh, so we politely went and asked, um, "How's that order coming along?" And they'd lost it. That oh. they they had hadn't been cooked. So they're very apologetic and shouted us another round of drinks. So the drinks all came out and. 
the kids had ordered like a lemon, lime and bitters, which is meant to have lemonade in it. But the lemonade had lost its syrup. They've got these horrible tasting lemon, lime and bitters. Oh. So we had to send those ones back to. But the whole time they gave us another round of drinks. They gave us some free desserts. They really looked after us and were apologetic. So they're in communication with right, you the whole time. Yeah. yeah okay. So at the end of the night, we'd had a terrific night. We had a great meal. We had a great evening out. Um, and I jumped on Google and gave them a five-star review saying, hey, oh, yeah. I'm in business. Things go wrong. I get it. It's how you deal with the, yeah. the problem, not whether they're going to go wrong or not. So that's my uh, good and bad experience all in the one place. Well, in today's interview, you might want to take notes because Justin shares a wealth of great knowledge and wisdom on what to do and what not to do when it comes to customer service and how to create an experience that keeps your customers coming back for more. Justin, welcome to the podcast. Hello. So for those who don't know your story, can you give us the abridged version of, of Attitude and how you got started? Yeah, look, I, I guess I'm what they refer to as an accidental, uh, I don't even like using the word entrepreneur, um, business guy. Yeah. Um, my dad's a minister and uh, growing up inside the church, I was constantly told by other people where I had my own problems. Okay. Um, <laughs> and uh, a lady came up to me one day and she said, you've got an Attitude problem and I... I said, no, I don't. And she said, well, you answer everyone back. And I said, well, no, I don't. And she <laughs> says, until you stop doing that, you're going to go nowhere. So the only reason I decided to start my first, well, it became a business, the first thing, I just wanted to upset her the following Sunday. That, right. that, was my, <laughs> that was my plan. It wasn't even a business. And I thought the best way to do that is if I can get my attitude problem on the back of a T-shirt, then I don't have to go anymore. I can send my mates there and they, I can upset her by proxy. <laughs> um, and then I, and I was going to do that and then come up with another idea the following Sunday and just keep on upsetting her for the rest of my life. Right. So I then thought, well, I'll go, you know, do some T-shirt stuff. So I went to the bank and I only had $1.25 in the bank. And so I rang up my brother. So how old were you? 25. Okay. Yeah. I sort of sucked with money. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's the underlying of that one. Um, so then I um, rang my brother and I said, can I borrow some money? He said, why? And I said, because I want to upset so-and-so in, in the church. And he said, yeah, all right, here's 50 bucks. <laughs> so with that, I got uh, four shirts made up. Yeah. I sold three of those shirts. The following Sunday, we all went to church. We all walked in at the same time with our shirts on and I upset this lady massively. Right. It's the best 50 bucks I've ever spent, really. <laughs> but on the day, people come up and said two things I wasn't expecting. Uh, one, they said, I like your shirt. I said, thank you. And number two, could I buy one? And I okay. wasn't expecting that at all. And I'm, I do a lot of business mentoring now. And it's one of my theories is you have to have a business that has organic growth. Um, there's too many people spending a lot of money at the moment on trying to get their business to work. And it may work that way, but there's got to be an organic aspect. And I wanted to, my businesses have always been organic. They just work. And a lot of that's to do with a lot of different things, but mainly to do with pricing. So okay. I knew that if I sold one shirt, I could go and make two more. So the way the business went, it sort of sold four, could make eight, could make 16. And that's the way that the business grew. I had no money for marketing. And, and so... But the brand itself had an internal intrinsic value, right? Just people saw it and went, I like that. Yeah, well, it was positive sarcasm, if you can, yeah. uh, with no swear words. Um, okay. So it was, uh, we called them ego shirts because it's either how I feel about myself, I'm going to buy it for that reason, yes. or it's how other people see me and they're going to buy it for me. You know, it was stuff like I love my attitude problem, um, it's all about <laughs> luck, just ask any loser, yeah. stuff like that, you know. And it was just a bit of um, Aussie sarcasm and humour, but yep. it's trying to stay positive on the whole thing. Right. 
And it, and it just worked. It was the right place, right time. I get people every now and again saying, oh, you're just lucky. Well, I've had 26 years of luck now and I'm pretty good. It's going all yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of luck. Yeah. yeah. So it was just the right place, right time. People liked it. My approach, because I'd never done business before. The only thing I passed in school was recess. So I, I had no <laughs> clue with what to do, how to do. Um, this is before the internet. Um, which I think is the biggest issue for a lot of startups these days is too much information that they can access yes. and that information is not correct a lot of the time. And just because someone's got a website doesn't mean it's going to be what you need to do. And now I didn't have that. And I didn't really know anyone that was in business. So I just did the whole common sense approach. And common sense, if you think about it, it's like um, deodorant. Uh, the people that really need to use it rarely do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, uh, I just thought, you know, I've got no, no idea and I decided to grow my business or do my business through my personality. I thought that's the one thing I can turn up to work with every day. Yeah, um, it's, it's and your I'm, unique sales point, right? You. Well, yeah. Well, I didn't know if I could do it or not. But, no. And the way it started, I sold to friends and friends and friends and friends and mates of friends and that's the way I did it. I thought that's the way you had to do it um, and it seemed to work okay. And then I tried to get into one store here in Sydney and the guy said I haven't heard of your brand I said well you haven't because I haven't told you about it yet like it's <laughs> how's this supposed to work and he said well no one's asking for it I said well they don't know about it so and I was trying to get him to stock it yeah and he said no when people start asking for it I'll put it in so I just thought well I'm just going to be Justin here and I got four of my mates to <laughs> I can see what's coming here yeah. <laughs> okay I got four of my mates during over four weeks to ask did he have any attitude gear and and the last time someone asked, he said, I'm waiting for the rep to come back in because there's such a demand for his brand. And, <laughs> and uh, I went in the following day, he put an order in for $1,587, which was time for financial retirement for me right yep, there. Yeah, ready to go. And that was the start of getting it into retail. But then I thought, you know what, I've got to, not that I even knew what this was, but for me, there had to be another layer. There had to be the consumer wanting my brand more so than the retailer liking my brand. I wanted yes, to make right. it consumer driven. It needs um, to be pulled through the retailer yeah, by the consumer. Which to yeah. me, when you've got no money, you, you try and do whatever you can. But once again, that to me makes sense. Now, yes. if I look at a lot of people in business, especially startups now, they just want to try and get it into a store. They just want to get some presence. They haven't seen if the consumer actually likes yeah. that. Um, so what we call it, right from day one, I called it going after my customer's customer. So I wanted to be in front of enough people and give them such a great experience, not only with product, but also um, service, that they had to go and tell someone else, whether that person was uh, a retailer or someone else that wanted to buy from me direct. So I went to Parkley Markets just up the road here, um, set up on the first day we set up in the first 15 minutes I sold out. And that was the day I thought, you know what, I actually think I've got something. And that was the day that I started to take it seriously. Yeah, so how long were you into it then? Oh, four months. Right. Yeah. And you'd kind of been doubling, just selling the shirts, reinvest, sell them again, reinvest. Yeah, and I'm still working two part-time jobs. So, because it was just a thing I was doing on the side and I wasn't really taking it that serious. So you use the, you use the term accidental entrepreneur. Um, I, I guess that sounds like it all happened by accident, but I just wonder if there's something in there that was sort of meant to come out. Yeah, I think there's a natural skill there. I, I can acknowledge that now. Um, and the thing I like about being in business, and, and I'll never call myself an entrepreneur, I think it's a third party um, endorsement, but I think the entrepreneurial thing, a lot, it's a lot to do with having a bit of mongrel in you. And, yeah. um, and I, I, I've always had that. And it's funny, <laughs> you know, in business now, everything that I get away with is everything I got in trouble for when I was a kid. But um, so I just enjoyed that freedom. I enjoyed being able to create something and do it my way. 
Um, I've never done profit and losses and forecasts and budgets and all the stuff you're supposed to do um, in business, but no one told me I had to in the first place. And, and, and all the businesses since then that I've started, I've done the exact same way. And I haven't put any money in because I proved by accident um, that I could do that to start off with. Mm. So why go and spend a fortune on a new business? I actually remember an interview with Alan Bond. Oh, yep. Who went completely broke. He got into too much debt. And after he'd done his jail sentence, he came out and said, oh, I always start businesses with no money. Now, yeah. He didn't. He, he, he learned the hard way of getting into a lot of debt. And uh, Well, if you think about it, if you, if you put a lot of money into something and it doesn't work, it really matters. But if you don't put a great deal of money in it and it doesn't work, but you're giving it a shot, well, it... It's it's okay. Um, yeah, it doesn't really matter. But you've learned. you've learned stuff along yeah. the way, you know. And um, yeah, look, I just I just found that I had a natural flair to this business thing. Yeah, my way though. That's right. So I just wonder if it, if it didn't emerge through trying to tick off an old lady at church, it probably would have emerged some other way. Well, I've got a na- I've got a common theme. <laughs> when I'm ticked off, I start a business. So all of my businesses have started by being upset or getting annoyed. So there's something wrong with the world that you need to fix? Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, like junior entrepreneur, that started because I'm sick and tired of the school system not actually having any practical application to what they're teaching kids. I wish someone taught me how to budget or that, you know, if I fail at school, there are other options other than just going to university or getting a job. When I was a kid, starting your own business meant you couldn't get a real job. That was how it was seen back in the olden days. Yeah. Yeah, oh, probably off the back of the depression, there was like, uh, go and get a government job, yep. go and be safe, lo- very low-risk attitude. Yeah. But 30, 40 years later, that just wasn't true anymore. No. You talk about the inner mongrel, right? And Because um, I'm a pastor's kid as well. Yep. So, so I experienced the, the old lady giving me a hard time about, you know, I, I don't know why, but there was a, a couple of people at church that thought they could parent me it's better than my parents. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it never crossed my mind, though, to actually tick them off more. I thought, I'll just try and pull my head in and uh, you know, see if I can slide past them. That's obviously something in there that's, uh, that's wanting to push back. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've been like that in my entire life. But that's some, we come back to the kind of the mongrel thing to get yeah. you started in business. Yeah, well, it was one of those things. Like, when you do anything, um, especially in startup, you only can use what you've got. So I didn't have money. I didn't have expertise. I just thought, I do have the I want to upset you thing. <laughs> and, I, you know, I'm still doing it 26 years later. She's still upset with me. So it's okay, still going okay. Yeah. yeah, well yeah. done. Um, so, so what were you doing before you were 25? I had a million jobs. So when I left school, I was a training manager for Super Kmart. It was called back in those days um, up in Katoomba. And then I went from that to manage, uh, grocery manager of Coles and Woolies and then assistant manager of some of those. So I was really young, like 21. So I, had, I always had a good work ethic. Yeah, and work then, hard. Yeah, and then I um, did repping. So I did repping because I found out they gave you a company car, which was a lot better than my uh, Datsun 120Y automatic. <laughs> Um, I remember those well. And so I decided to do repping and then I went into personal training and into managing gyms. And all the time through that process, one thing that I noticed a lot is I could see whether there could be good opportunities for those businesses. And I'd say something, not wanting anything other than to help out. And it's either it was a bad idea because it wasn't their idea or that idea was taken and I was given no credit for it. And I just, that sort of thing really got to me. And so, yeah, I I worked for people, but there was just no passion behind 
Yeah. All of that. Did you feel like there was something missing? That the, there was a you know a thing that you needed to do that you hadn't quite found yet? No, not at the time. Now I wouldn't do anything other than own my own business. Yeah, we're, same. We're t- talking um, during COVID because my wife owns businesses and I own businesses, and we're just talking. Especially mine was speaking at conferences. Um, that all shut down, and, yeah. and um, I said to Renee, in theory. If I was to do a resume, no one would hire me because I've actually got <laughs> no proper credentials. I've got nothing so other Steve than Water what I've done. Steve said the same thing, and, yeah. I, and I think I'd be the same. Yeah. So, but I, I don't know. I didn't really put much thought into the whole thing, to be honest. It's it's only after when Attitude, I got a lot of media attention during Attitude, but after that, there was more media attention that it made me actually start to think back of, oh, I suppose that was okay, and I suppose I did do all right there. But when you're in it, you're in it, you know? Yeah. So, so you, you've been very intuitive in the process, just taking the next steps, yep. seeing what the opportunity is, yep. uh, seeing what the problems are and overcoming them and just, just moving forward step by step. Yeah, look, I, um, I'm a worst-case scenario guy. Some people have got a plan B. I've got a plan Z. Okay. Um, <laughs> just in case things don't work out, just in case something goes wrong. I call it the third-party influencer. There's always going to be someone that could potentially get in the way that I can't control that. Right, out of So control. what's going to happen with that? Um, so I've always got different scenarios playing out in my head because I don't want to, one thing I don't want to lose is momentum. So, like, th- this happened... About seven months into Attitude, there was a company up in Queensland, a chain of stores, um, that took on Attitude, um, that also had my competitor in there as well, uh, which was an American company. And we started to outsell the American company. And so we kept on ordering and ordering and ordering. And then one day I rang up before the 30 days, um, rang up and said, I oh, just, you know, wanting to know when you're going to start paying. Phone didn't go through. So $37,500 I lost. I'll find him one day. I've still got his name in the back of my head. (laughs) Um, And, like, that wasn't planned, but I I learned a lot of stuff then, like make sure you get all your legals done correctly, make sure you've got contracts. You know, it was a very expensive mistake. The other thing, the main thing I learned was I dug myself out of that hole in a week. Um, And Mm. I realised that I'm very good when I'm faced with problems. That's, That's a strength of mine. And I see a lot, especially with my mentoring clients, they're trying to avoid any decisions in case it creates a problem. Like some of my staff think I created COVID because I just love having <laughs> love, a problem. Love problems. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and that's the way I operate the best, you know. And, and when things are going really well, uh, I get bored. That's why I start more businesses all the time. Yeah, right. So, so when you've lost 37 grand, what was your initial response? Was it? angry was it oh, I was ticked. upset like yeah, um, yeah yeah like I didn't call my business attitude for no reason <laughs> um yeah so I did all my in all my effort to try and find the guy um and I have now found him he's he's probably got a very short memory I've got a very long one <laughs> um and I'll just remind him of that but oh, I was ticked off but I, I, I learned the lesson pretty quickly um you know you only have to be kicked in the head by hells once yeah to know that it hurts you know and um I didn't want to get kicked again. So I, then I changed my model. So there was only X amount of um, products that people could buy or dollar value before they could then, regardless of their their terms, um, set all that sort of stuff up. So you made some fast changes. Always do. To, to, to protect that from happening again. Yeah. But you said you dug yourself out of it in a week. How did yeah. you do that? I just realised that I needed to sell more to get myself out of this problem. If it was going to take that a really long time to actually get that, then I'm going to be in a bigger hole. So it was just, there's the, the problem, go and fix it. It's the old, you know, there's the um, itch and I had, the, I had to find the scratch for it. You know. 
and um and COVID did this to a lot of people, didn't it? They, they had a problem, and it's like, well, I either fix this or I'm gone. Yeah, and so they started fixing things. Yeah, and I hate the word pivot, but what it was, it was all about creating a different. Right here is a perfect example. Like they've set up a podcast studio inside a a club. Like, who would have thunk it? Like, yeah, and it, it, that's the sort of stuff. No, I I was just lucky. And this was luck, um, I guess, with COVID that I had both my customer culture and my junior entrepreneurs online programs prior to that all happening, you know, and that sort of was one of those things that just was fantastic. Uh, my mentoring went up because everyone was panicking, um, but my speaking, which is the thing I love doing, um, just died. I lost 66 right. jobs in one day. Oh, my so, goodness. Yeah. So that was just like every job you had booked in was yeah. gone. Yeah. Yeah. So I do about 120 or did 120 a year. So the next six months was just gone. Yeah. 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 Wow. Um, I'm very interested in your emotional response to that because as business people, things go wrong. Yeah. And some people go into depression and misery. Other people, and, and often there's like a, a visceral response. I, I'm, I'm angry. I'm depressed. I'm something like that. And then we can claw out of it yeah. some people just punch straight back yeah like, i didn't punch straight back this time um i had that continuity i guess of uh the entrepreneur stuff the junior entrepreneur stuff and the customer culture stuff and that was just ticking over and that sort of grew pretty quickly from a global perspective because people started to realize well if our staff are at home we may as well train them in customer service or retrain them so that was okay it was i quickly realized i put a lot of my identity in being a speaker okay um and that that, that took a hit because uh, i i don't really care what people think about you know justin Harold as such but i just love speaking it's yeah you I really enjoy it, it. yeah um and when that's ripped away from you um it sort of sort of hit me pretty hard um but there's not a great you can't unscramble eggs so if this was a thing that i could have fixed and it was part of my problem and my fault then i, I probably would have wallowed in that longer but, you know, everyone was going through the same stuff. I probably took longer than most to go, okay, well, let's reinvent something here. Um, but it's because I didn't have to either, if that makes any sense. Well, it's also, there's different industries where, I know you don't like the word pivot, <laughs> where, yeah. where the shift is easy. So if, you make, if you're making whiskey and you can start making hand sanitizer, yeah. that's pretty logical. Yeah. Um, but if, if you're a tourist operator in Cairns who does trips out on the Barrier Reef, it's pretty hard yeah. to come up with, an, with a new version of it. You can't exactly take that online. No. And, and, and speaking publicly is probably one of, closer to the Cairns example. Yeah, well, when, that's where that they all went down the Zoom thing. And I went kicking and screaming on that. Yeah, um, it's not the same. And I mean, I, I got a lot of bookings and stuff like that, but I just can't get excited about looking at myself in the screen. Like, it's just, you know, I, I love that audience reaction because yeah. I use a lot of humour um, in my talks and stuff. Yeah. And seeing people's reactions is something that I thoroughly enjoy. So, I mean, it's all coming back now. I was away last week speaking, so it's all coming back. But, yeah, I, you know, I probably didn't uh, cope with it as well as I could have. But, you know, Yeah, again, there's, there's a third party, the the thing you can't control. Yeah, someone licked a bat and then yeah. you know, my, my whole business is stuffed. <laughs> it's great. Google Ads is probably the best and the worst digital marketing tactic on the internet. The best because if people are looking for you and they're looking for your keywords, 
you can pretty much guarantee you can turn them into leads. It's the worst, but if they're not, you shouldn't be doing it. And frankly, I speak to people who want to do Google Ads and shouldn't, and we convince them not to. So my question for you is, will Google Ads work for you? Well, we'd love to help you answer that question. Jump on theonlineco.net, book a quick chat, and we can help you. I'm interested in, you know, your church upbringing. Mm -hmm. Has that delivered to you some values or some things that you oh, yeah. feel were have yeah. helped you in your Look, business? Look, I have to say church would be fantastic if there was no one in it. Um, <laughs> I've often said that myself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the it's from my parents yeah. is, is where it's come from. So the values that they've instilled in us, all of us kids, we've got a brother and a sister. Um, we've all reached a level of success Um and I think a lot of that's to do with the, the ethics and the morals that my parents are taught. Like so I run my business based upon how I was brought up. Yeah. And that's where I will get ripped off by $37,000 because I do believe that someone says they're going to pay me back. Yeah, you um, give people trust. Yeah, yeah. and I still will do that. Um, well, yeah, I think you win more than you lose. Yeah, well, I can that. now smell that a mile away so I won't even go down that path yeah. now. Um, but, yeah, look, it, it's it's played a massive role. Um, but that it's hard not to when you grow up in it. Yeah. 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 Um, I think just things like doing what you say you're going to do. Like, yeah. and, and I know that sounds so boring, but reliability is such an underrated Well, my value. big one is if I say I'm going to call you back, here's a, here's a thing, I'm going to call you back. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not rocket science. And there's a lot of people in business, the reason their businesses are not going as well is because they don't keep their word. Um, if someone emails and said, can I get a price? Email them. They've asked for the business. If you say, oh, I'm going to get back to you with a price, get back to them. You know, yep. the, the new currency, I think, um, post-COVID is speed. Now, it's, it's the time that we take to get back to our customers or to do something for our customers is where we're going to actually succeed or not succeed. Absolutely. Um, for me, my parents raised me around, it's all about people. and yep. put people first. And so we, in this... Um, podcast we talk about the best way to grow a small or medium business is to put people first yep. um, that's your customers but it's also your staff yep. it's all sorts of people and that's where you're driving with your customer culture business yeah well i started that once again out of frustration um yep. back when i left school when i started at super kmart they put us through the dale carnegie how to win friends and influence people right. it's part of that there was a lot of training that these companies would spend and invest into their stuff then we come to 2019 uh, I read a, if you ever want to put yourself to sleep and you can't sleep, just go to the Bureau of Statistics website. Yeah, I've spent some time there. <laughs> yeah. And I read an interesting statistic um, that 87% of adult workers in Australia have had zero training in the last three years in, inside a business. And, oh, wow. And for me, the, my theory is, as a business person, I go out on a Monday with my tank full of service and I give it out all day, every day. When it comes to the weekend, I go out with my empty tank and go out and spend my money hoping that I can get my, that service tank replenished. <laughs> and I'm running on empty at the moment. Yeah. And it's just, I'm starting to see the amount of businesses out there that don't see that if you just look after your customer and give them a great experience, here's a shocker, they may come back. And yeah. that means you don't have to spend any money. And all like I do a lot of stuff with large organisations. It just always shocks me the amount of money they spend trying to attract a new customer just to get them in to treat them as bad as their current customers. It makes no <laughs> sense whatsoever. And so for me, I just thought, you know, I wanted to start that because there's not a great deal of information. There's not a great deal of content in that place. A lot of business owners haven't got the time to create 
the, the training for their staff. They don't have the knowledge in that area to do that as well. So I thought, well, I'll just go and put all that together. And it just took off. It's the easiest way to grow your business. Absolutely. Because, uh, I mean, an existing customer, to get more business from them or could keep their business is much cheaper than yeah. going and getting a new one. And, and you're right. What's the point of getting a new one if you're just going to treat them badly? Um, most of our listeners are small and medium. They might have 10 staff, 50 yeah. staff, sort of in that space. Um, what would you suggest to them? So, something to get started, something practical? What we've got to do in business is make sure that our staff know where the baseline is. And the funny thing is, like, I don't read resumes when someone comes for a job interview for one reason. As if you're going to say, I really suck at customer service on that, right? <laughs> you're only going to tell me what you want me to know. That's right. Yeah. So I'll hire off personality. I can teach a skill. Absolutely. But the problem is the culture inside a business is the sum parts of everyone in there. If you don't have a baseline that you say to everyone, here's where we operate from, all these different people coming in create the culture and they may not be the culture that you're wanting for your customers. Tell you the big thing, most people have never actually done an audit on their customer's journey. They've never actually figured out what do my customers go through in order to give me money. And if they did, they'd realize, wow, we're making this really hard. Um, Do you mean like from first phone call to any touch point, to yeah. email follow up to yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you went. I went to a website the other day and it said for uh, for any more information, uh, give us a call. Would be fantastic if they had a phone number on their website, but no one's actually gone. Oh, we don't I have a phone a number. That's a very surprising. Yeah, a lot of business owners are like chefs that have never tasted their own food. Yeah, gotcha. You know, and and if they just did that, and that's what we get asked to do that a lot. Can and the first thing that I normally would do for any business is go, okay, here's the experience that I had dealing with you, and here's the problems that you got from that, and like the younger generation. The problem that they've got is they've never actually experienced great service. They uh, experience mediocre no service or bad service, and they think that's okay service. So for them then to, to give great service on their own volition, well, they don't know what that is. Being nice is not giving service. You're supposed to be nice because that's how you get the job. Um, it's about <laughs> going that extra mile, um, understanding what different customers have different needs. Uh, the first module in the um, program I created was a customer service personality test which is different to a personality test. Because if you think about it, most people turn up to work with their work personality, okay. not their normal personality. Because my normal personality, if you if you have a go at me, I'm going to go, look, you're an idiot. Now, you can't really <laughs> say that to a customer, right? So I'm going to turn up with my work personality. We need to know who that who that is and how we operate in that. And so does our boss, because our boss or the owner will employ based upon who's sitting across the table. When they start, they're a different person because they've got their work personality yeah. on. So they need to know who's what. And this happens a lot in um, hairdressers that we, we deal with. The receptionist that they've got has been employed because she's a lovely lady. Problem with that is when she comes to work, she doesn't like selling. She doesn't really like to uh, conf have confrontation. Yes. Now, when they, their job is to upsell when they finish, and we, when I've done this with a few larger uh, um, salons, they go, we've got the wrong person in the wrong job. We need to swap these people around. Yep. It's just like, you do. Growing a business for me is like a jigsaw, doing a jigsaw puzzle. You've got yes, to turn absolutely. all the pieces over. You've got to find the corner bits. Then you've got to take a bit of time to figure out what fits in what. And I think the problem with chucking a COVID thing into the middle of all this, people have taken their eyes off what do I need to address into let's just keep our heads above water. What they haven't realised, if you just address how your customers have been treated, 
the water level will start to go down because your customers will keep you afloat. Yeah. And and I want my customers to bring me other customers. I, I haven't spent a single cent in advertising in 26 years. Because uh, first of all, I couldn't afford it. Then I thought, well, I don't need to because I'm getting business from my customers anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so essentially you're saying try and think like a customer try and experience what they experience yeah act like an owner think like a customer yeah mm. and then get in their shoes walk walk through it and then go how can i surprise and wow and make them feel fantastic yep. through that journey yeah yeah i went through i won't mention which which place a drive-through recently with my kids and i get to the talking box and they said what do you want and i said what do i want you don't say what do you want and they said, well, what do you want anyway? I went, oh. <laughs> so I went to the next window and out comes the hand with the FPOS machine. I put my card on it. In goes the hand, the door shuts. And I went, what's going on here? Yeah. Go to the next door. My kids are on the floor in the car by this stage. But go to the next window and out comes the, my order. In goes the hand. Not, not one word was said. Now, when I asked for the manager, he comes to the window and what do you reckon he said? What do you want? <laughs> so normally... Business owners, if people are complaining, the fish stinks from the head down. Um, so it was learned behaviour that. And I said to him, mate, do you do staff training? And he goes, oh, heaps. I said, we're at the Marcel Marceau School of Customer Service. Like, nothing was said. So, but they've allowed that to happen. And that's actually through, if you look at that chain, it's right now right through. There's no experience. And it used to be, they're the people you would employ in the olden days. Mm. So they've let that go. You're talking. You're talking about culture here. There's there's a culture that's not right there. Yeah, and it's coming through. Well, the problem. I'm going to sound like an old man now. It's going to get worse if you think about it, because the new leaders of HR or people and culture managers, they're the ones that are coming through that haven't experienced the training on how to give great service in the first place, and their job is to then implement that and that's why customer culture has gone through the roof because all these companies are gone you know we've got a problem people don't like us and they're not coming back it's just like duh like I, that's not rocket science i was in oh, got me going now i was in myers <laughs> recently i had to ring while i was there the store to ask them to send someone down to the register because there was no one to pay now if i listen so to you've got something in your hand you want to give them money silly yeah. me eh yeah, right. So I, all this stuff's very simple. And I think what a lot of people have done is overcomplicated all the processes inside their businesses and forgotten about the simple stuff. Like back in the olden days when there was no internet, businesses had to have the personal connection. They had to have the conversation. There was no bright and shiny thing to take our customers' attentions away other than a better experience somewhere else. And that's all we need to do now. We've got to go back to old school. And, and I guarantee if anyone tries this... It will work. They win. 100%. Yes. Can I pick up on your talk about education mm -hmm. and how we're kind of letting people down? It's always amazed me that I never learned how to budget at school. Yeah. That's very basic maths. I really loved maths. I probably would have loved budgeting. And I don't want to criticise school teachers or, you know, there, there's some wonderful people yeah. out there doing some great work. But we don't encourage entrepreneurship we probably encourage like linear thinking and yeah you know how to surf the net is sort of one of the things that they teach kids now well what what people are saying is that given that kids are studying for jobs that may not exist when they get there they really need a, a level of resilience and an ability to overcome adversity um and thinking outside the box like some of these skills become very important when, uh, you know, my job as a truck driver's gone now because 
trucks drive themselves, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, talk to us about your, your business yeah, in look, the education space. Yeah, I, um, I just got frustrated because I do a lot of speaking in schools and I love that in like year 10 and 11s. They're at that point where they're either going to stay or they're going to go. The kids would come up and go, this is amazing. But I saw there was a big hole and that hole also was if little Johnny wants to start a business, goes to mum and dad, they work nine to five for someone else. They've got no idea on how to help him. No. And my new So my pa- parents didn't and, and your parents didn't no. either, right? No. And so that I had to figure it out for myself. Same. So, All sorts of mistakes in the process. Yeah. And so I just thought I'd, I'd create that. And then this is how I start businesses. So I, one day I put on Facebook, I'm really looking forward to launching Junior Entrepreneur next week. And my wife rings up. She goes, you haven't told me about this. I said, <laughs> I only just thought about it. <laughs> and uh, 187 people that day, 186 people that day, messaged me saying, I, I want that for my kid. I thought, oh, wow, I better go and do it now. Yeah. Um, so I went out and bought a microphone, got this, the um, recording stuff on my computer, knocked it out the next day, all done. And it just went nuts. One of our young kids that's done it, he started when he was nine. Um, now, it's aimed at 14 and up. So he started at nine. He's pretty switched on. Angus. He's now 11. He just won the Australian Business Awards for the best sole operator. He's 11. He beat all the other adults and all that sort of stuff. And what stuff. does he do? Croc candy. He creates these little crocodile eyes out of candy. And he's up in Darwin and he's, they sell like hotcakes. Yeah, wow. And um, that, that's stuff that you will not learn at school. Like no. I've got a big passion because when, especially like through COVID, the entrepreneurial flair came out a lot. And if we can teach that to more people, they're a step ahead, especially younger ones. So we've, we've interviewed all sorts of people on the podcast, people that have left school in year 10 and people that have had PhDs. Yep. And it would seem to me that your level of formal education is not an indicator of success. Oh, I don't think so at um, all. But learning is, yeah. right? So pe- but people are learning in different ways. Yeah, that's where, like for me, I had to figure out, you know, for me it's trial by fire and having a drama. Um, <laughs> that's how I learn. Where other people, like if I look at my wife, she's very structured. Like her to-do list is about four and a half kilometres long. (laughs) Um, She knows exactly when it's supposed to be done and where it's supposed to be. My to-do list is one thing, do that one thing and then put another thing on there. Yeah. Um, So everyone's different, you know, but you've got to try and tap into that. And for me, a lot of that comes back to personality, especially business owners. If you're not running your business through your personality, that's the problem. If you're having to be someone totally different when you go to work... You're going to hate it. It's exhausting. Yeah. You started a business here by doing a post on Facebook about junior entrepreneurs. Yeah. It was just a thought bubble. Yeah. And But essentially, unintentionally maybe, you're doing a bit of customer research. Yeah, well, I always <laughs> sort of do that. I'll put things out going, you know, is anyone interested in this or anyone interested in that? That one I just thought I'd do it because I was going to do it at some point in time. Um, I, the content I knew was in my head. That was easy. So that it was like a six-hour program. It was audio because I, I spoke to kids and how do you want to deliver? They didn't want video because they didn't want to sit in front of a thing. They wanted mm. audio so they could listen to it on the on the bus or whatever. And then I created workbooks and that for me was just writing on pieces of A4 paper, gave it to our um, <laughs> art chicken. Yeah, someone off built she it up for made me. it look great. And, and that was all done in a day and a half. So it's pretty simple. Yeah, nice. Um, with, with Attitude... You sold it after about six years or so. Yeah. Did it ever cross your mind to keep it forever or the offer nah. was too good or you, you'd, nah. you'd rather just bounce from idea to idea? Or Yeah, well, I, was, I, I ended up licensing the brand worldwide. So I was only really working two days a year 
um, at that stage. Okay. And because all these companies had the rights to manufacture products with attitude on it. And my role in that was just to give approval of whether I liked what they were going to make or not, and then wait for the royalty check. So it was sort of getting a bit over it. People started asking me to speak. Um, I was then asked to write my first book. And then a company approached me and asked if I'd sell my business. And I said, ah, oh, probably not. They said, well, offer you this much. I went, nah, I could do that this year. And they came back 10 minutes later and said, what about this much? I went, yeah, all right. Okay. And that was it, you know, because yeah. I was no longer attached to it. Um, I think when I was at the markets and when I was out there doing the repping, uh, I was doing the do. Yeah, and I loved baby all that. My, yeah. my favourite job still is to pack boxes. Uh, right. I love doing that. My, <laughs> my wife just had a big Mother's Day uh, mail out and she goes, I've got to get all these envelopes done. I go, I'll do them. So I've been sitting there all weekend doing that. So I like all that. So when it started to become one of those things that was very financially going well, but I was doing nothing um, yeah. and I got bored. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, you mentioned that your way of learning is trial by fire. So basically let's have some dramas and yep. get into it. So, so you you thrive on stress. Oh, the older I get, I don't really like it as much as I used <laughs> okay. to in the older days. <laughs> yeah, I, my kid, my, my Renee's kids have never seen me with hair, so they asked me recently to grow hair. I can't <laughs> believe how much grey's going on there. Um, look, uh, look, I operate under pressure. Is probably a, a okay. good, better way of putting it. Um, so you voluntarily put yourself in places oh, of pressure. Probably, yeah. If I think about it, if there's a deadline, I'll probably wait until the last minute and go, okay, I better go and do that now. Okay. Um, but I always get it done. So, yeah. But yeah, the customer culture thing's probably the hardest one I've done for a while because I've got to deal with men- the mentality of the decision maker on putting a value on actually looking after customers. That's the thing that just does my head in where you sit and go, you know, why aren't you getting this? Um, so that's probably a bit of a frustration for me. Uh, the small businesses get it. Yeah. They know if they've got one or two staff, it's the easiest thing for them to do, to spend under 100 bucks to get their staff trained. It's a no-brainer. When you've got, um, you know, we've got one deal pending at the moment for 36,500 people and their number one complaint is customer experience. And you go, and the problem would be <laughs> what? Um, but that's the problem. You know, I, I don't like dealing with big business a lot, but... There's well, so the bureaucracy, it takes, yeah, yeah, it no takes one wants so to make a decision. decision. Um, Absolutely. You know, so you just got to play that game. And is it possible that the small or medium business owner, if there's a complaint, it's it's like a complaint well, against personal. them as a personal? Yeah. 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 Um, and I, if I look at the majority of the larger organisations now that we deal with, their main concern that they wanted to fix was Google reviews. And I go, that's the last thing you should be thinking of. The reason they go to Google reviews is what's happened along yeah, the way. It's the last. So stop step. worrying about that thing. Oh, we just want to get it from a three point seven to a four point two. It's just like who thinks like this? But <laughs> anyway, I'm glad I don't. Well, they got KPIs or whatnot, but but they don't. I can't feel even it. spell KPIs. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know your best asset in your business, any business, should be a competition because they should suck more than you. And if they don't, there's your problem. So just make sure you don't suck as much as them. Like it's not that hard. <laughs> <laughs> There's your competitive edge. Yeah. Where do you see yourself headed? Are you, yeah. Have you got new things on the boil? Or yeah, I've got a, a thing that I'm working on at the moment. I wish I could tell you about it, but um, it's a product this time yep. um, that I'm going to do, and um, I'm just 
finalizing the manufacturing process of that. It's one of those things that every parent's going to go, that's exactly what I've been looking for. Um, So I'm going to probably do that. That was just one of those off-the-cuff things I thought, wouldn't mind giving that a crack, and there's a need. Um, But where am I going to be in five years' time? No idea. Because if you asked me 25 years ago, where would it have been 25 years? wouldn't be here. Um, <laughs> so I've got no idea. I just, you don't think like that. No. Nah. You're an instinctive next step I have guy. a one-day plan. Yeah. Just get to tomorrow and yeah. make today as good as it can be. Yeah. Um, that's it. Like I, I can't – I can only control what I'm in control of. Um, and, you know, my goal was never to have a brand that was global. It was never to turn over X amount of dollars. It was just to upset the lady and it, it ticked. <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, I was not really the best reader or writer when I left school. And, you know, I've got eight books that are sold around the world. Like I don't know what I can or can't do yet until I give it a crack. So yeah. that's probably why, you know, me putting a post out and then starting it the next day, it's sort of how I operate. Mm. Um you know, I thought when I was approached by the um, publishing company, I turned up to the meeting and said, yeah, I'll do it, you know, sign the contract. And I said, when do I get to meet my ghostwriter? They went, why well, would you have a ghostwriter? I said, oh, no, I don't know how to write a book. And they said, well, you're going to have to do one now. You sign the contract. <laughs> but, that, you know, that took me three weeks, the first, my first book to write. Okay. So I realised then, actually, I'm good at well, this. There you go. So I think <laughs> if people started to take their blinkers off, mm. um, that's especially small business owners, we've, we've got to, we, we need to realise that maybe we are better at what we are good at, but we've limited ourselves. Either our expectations are going, oh, I don't think I could get that done. Um, a lot of the time we listen to the wrong people mm. um, that then guide us on whether we're good at something or not. But you know, I figured out a lot of the stuff that I thought I would suck at, I'm really good at. And so where's the future? Trying to figure out where I am good at where I thought I'd suck at. So And um, you have a real value around fun, don't you? Oh, you, yeah. You want to have fun along oh, the Oh, absolutely. Journey. Otherwise it's going to be boring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's all about, you know, it's quality of life stuff as well. You know, it's about... Um, both my, as I said before, my wife and I own a lot of businesses together, and all together and separate. Um, we've got five daughters. Um, we, it's got to be the quality. We've just bought a caravan because we want to go back to old school, especially the younger ones. Instead of going to those five stars, let's go to the thousand stars. Yeah, love and it. just go and do that sort Get of outside. stuff. And, yeah. yeah, Get off and the devices. Got to be, it's got to be a. It's got to be a payoff as to why you work hard. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I love my cars and stuff, but it, I think the simpler things are the things that actually are the things you remember. So that's we work for our time yeah. now. Yeah, wonderful. Hmm. Well, thank you, Justin, so much for coming on the podcast. Pleasure. Uh, it's been very educational. Um, and thank you for your I- insight and wisdom. No dramas, thank you. That was Justin Herald, and his website, justinherald.com, is the best place to find out about his speaking, mentoring, and online courses. Jess, um, Justin talked about doing a customer audit. Yeah. I think that's a brilliant idea. That was that was probably the key takeaway for me. Yeah. From that, yeah. He, Talk so he, us through that from a marketing perspective. Yeah, so he spoke about auditing your customer's journey, and he mentioned that you know, a lot of business owners probably have never stood back and thought about, okay, what is the actual process that somebody takes to, yeah. to give me money, I think is, is what he said. All the touch points. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's really important. So from a marketing perspective, if you, if you actually stopped and did that process and you're looking at all those different touch points, as you say, you can look at, okay, where am I coming into contact with my customers or am I missing opportunities to come into contact with them? And how does how does that contact look? You know, is it communication on social media? Is it an email? Is it a blog article? Is it anything mm, like phone that? Call yeah. yeah. So if you actually stopped and looked at that journey, 
and mapped it out. And it might be that you did so, some market research. You might do a questionnaire or some research yeah, with your current customers. customers. Yeah. yeah, ask them and get some real honest feedback from them. How did they come into contact with you? Mm. It would give you so much insight into to the journey that they're taking. You can make better informed decisions then. Yeah, and you can find the gaps. Yeah. And, and possibly if there are no gaps, then you can insert little wow moments in there, things that really make them go, oh, that was thoughtful or gee, that was a place where they went the extra mile. That's right, yeah. You know, like we've got access to things like Google Analytics and all that sort of stuff or heat maps and we can look where people are scrolling on our website as an example and where they're clicking. Well, that sort of data and information gives you a lot of insight into part of that journey. But the other thing that um, he spoke about, James, was, was his brand attitude and I'd really like to get your thoughts on what happens when you market a great product or service. Yeah, so... Attitude was just a great idea and the slogans yeah. were great and, and, and people wanted it. So it, it just created demand all on its own. Mm. And when that's the case, uh, it, you've got the potential to go viral. Now, this was in 1995, so it didn't go digitally viral. If it was released now, it, it would. It would, wouldn't it? It'd be uh, all it, over Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> it, went, it went organically viral throughout Justin's initial networks at his church and then it obviously launched and went global over time. But marketing will basically take a good idea and amplify it mm. and just show that great idea to more and more people. Even if you've got an average idea, a good idea, if you amplify that, it'll increase your business as well. The issue is that if you've got a business that's actually not very good or your product or service isn't very good, marketing won't fix that problem. No. You've got to go back to basics and figure out what it is you do and get it up to good. Well, marketing could make it worse, right? If you've got a bad product or service and you market it well, you could be opening up a whole world of issues. Yeah, that's right. That's the scary side. So coming up next week, you'll meet an Aussie mum with a background in HR who went on a family camping trip and along the way discovered she had a real knack for buying and selling camping gear on eBay. Justine Lightowler is her name, and that hobby she started during her maternity leave has now grown into a popular online camping store called Camp Smart. You'll hear how Justine grew her business from a side hustle to a serious player in the camping market in our next episode. This episode of Getting to the Heart of Business was brought to you by The Online Co., produced by Claire Bruce, music by Harry Parnwell, and you can find us at theonlineco.net. If this episode would be helpful for someone you know, please feel free to share it with them right now. Uh, We'd love you to subscribe to the podcast leave us a review and jump onto our Facebook group and join the conversation at Getting to the Heart of Business.